Okay, let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you will open up truth for us, the truth of your word, and that that truth will convict our hearts in your directions. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, have you ever seen or heard something that you don't want to see or hear? Uh, for me, if the TV was on and National Geographic was playing a, a whole program on the wonderful world of cockroaches, um, yeah, <laughs> I would be the first to either change channel or quickly shut my eyes and try and just crawl my way out of the room. Uh, for my wife, she has a, a problem with earworms. You know what earworm is? It's not worms in your ears, don't be disgusting. Huh? Uh, it, an earworm is a, a song or a melody that gets stuck in your head. Okay? And it just keeps playing and again, again and again and again and again and again. So for those of you who have been to, this is a couple years back, uh, you've been to Watson's, uh, uh, and then there's this song that plays, Kao Kao, Kao Kao, Watson Kao Kao, Deals. Uh, so, <laughs> we went to Watson's, after that, cannot get it out of our heads. And so, sometimes I, I want to catch out her. Uh, I, will, I will purposely sing the song, and then she will, la 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 la, I cannot hear you, cannot hear you. Okay, so, in today's passage, when Paul tells Ro uh, the, the Roman governor, Felix, about the truth of the gospel, and what the gospel means for Felix, Similar sort of reaction okay, from, from Felix. He doesn't want to see, he doesn't want to hear any more about it. He immediately stops Paul from continuing. And so, the takeaway for today, if you forget everything, one thing to remember is that it takes courage and faith to face the truths of God. Okay? It takes courage and faith to face the truths of God. But before we go further, let's look a little bit at the background of today's passage. The last time we, uh, I preached, we looked at Paul and how he was uh, in Jerusalem. He was arrested. He was detained in the Roman barracks for his own safety because riot uh, again stirred up against him. Last week, Brother Cumming shared about conscience and integrity as Paul stood before the, the, the Sanhedrin and, and addressed them. After that, between, between Paul standing behind, uh, before the Sanhedrin and today's passage, there was a plot by some Jews to kill Paul. And sort of similar to, to how the, the Jews came together and had a plot to kill Jesus, right? But unlike Jesus, who, who, who uh, became victim to that plot, uh, Paul's nephew hears about the plot to, to get uh, Paul killed even before he can have a fair trial, okay? And so, Paul's nephew warns the Roman commander who's detaining Paul, uh, and this commander transfers Paul, he ships him off to the custody of the governor of that province, okay? Uh, and so, this governor's name is Felix, and he is to, uh, Paul, Paul was transferred to Caesarea, where this governor was, Felix, to await his trial, so, five days later, his accusers, who is the high priest Ananias, 
uh, a few other elders and Tertullus, a, a lawyer, uh, they went, they brought their charges, they presented their case, and I mean, mainly false, la, false charges, right? They accused him of starting riots. They accused Paul of uh, leading a Jewish sect uh, that is trying to desecrate the temple. So Paul defends himself. He denies these charges, uh, and he admits, though, that he is the f- uh, a follower of the way. That's what Christianity was known as among the early Christians, okay, the way. And so that brings us to today's passage where Paul has defended himself. Felix says, not enough evidence, okay? And so he, he adjourns the trial. But instead of releasing Paul, Felix tells him to wait. Wait for the commander who had arrested him in Jerusalem to come to testify, okay? And this commander never arrives. <laughs> so basically, Paul just wait. Uh, Felix wants to keep Paul there, uh, probably for two reasons. Uh. One is to appease the Jewish leaders, okay? Not release Paul back into the public and, and make them angry, but keep, them, uh, keep Paul uh, detained, so make them happy. Second reason, probably to try and get a bribe from Paul, okay? We'll look at that more later. So Paul is detained for another two years before Felix is replaced by another governor, Festus, okay? And that, that is something that um, we'll look at next week. Today, I'd like us to look at three C's about the truth of God, okay? First C is consistent truth. Second C is convicting truth. Third C is certain truth, okay? Let's look at the first point. Paul's consistent presentation of the truth. Uh, We know up to now, Paul has been very consistent about how he presents the gospel, right? He doesn't shy away from speaking the truth of the gospel. He tells it like it is. And in the process, he had made many enemies. He had made enemies among the Jews because he was basically speaking against, uh, uh, speaking the truth of the gospel and, and uh, what his Jewish opponents did not like to hear. Uh, he also made enemies among the Gentiles because the truth of the gospel had led other Gentiles away from giving business to those who made idols, right? So different reasons. Paul had made many enemies by speaking the truth. Paul never compromised on the truth of the gospel. If he had, he would have been able to avoid so many riots, <laughs> so many imprisonments, so many sorts of difficulties if he just compromised. So, since Paul always presented the truth of the gospel, even though it was unpopular, when Felix and his wife summoned him, what do you think he told them? Would he have told them something they wanted to hear? Uh, He would have been consistent, right? He would have told them the truth, the truth of the gospel. Now, because of other historical records, we have a little more insight into the governor, Felix. We know what kind of person he is. Felix had a reputation for being cruel and tyrannical to the point that his own people complained about him to Caesar, the emperor in Rome. And they they brought reports to Rome and saying, this fellow you put over us is horrible. Okay, please do something about him. And that's why he was replaced by the next governor, Festus. And also, uh, speaking to his character, 
Felix had also stolen his Jewish third wife, Drusilla. So the one who, who listened to Paul, he had stolen her away uh, from her former husband when she was 16. Okay, and on top of this, he was obviously corrupt as well, right? Since he was hoping for a bribe from Paul. So knowing that Felix was this kind of character, it gives a little more meaning to verse 25, which says that as Paul uh, talked about with, with Felix and, and Drusilla, as Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Now, these are obviously things that are very relevant to both Felix and Drusilla. And Paul would have known, at least he would have known Felix's reputation. Okay, so as he spoke the truth of the gospel, these were the elements he chose to speak about. It's a bit like talking to your boss about how smoking is bad for your health and the health of those around you uh, when you know that your boss has a reputation for smoking at home with his wife and child around right it's a bit like that it takes great courage it takes great courage to speak the truth of god to people who have the power to make your life better or worse and so felix had the power to release paul but paul presented God's truth so uncompromisingly, so consistently, that Felix was convicted by the power, the, the truth of the power of his words. Sorry, the power of the truth of his words. But before we get into that, let's have a, a look at our first reflection and discussion question. And that is, have you ever been faced with needing to convey a difficult truth to someone? What was the result? Okay, and for the kids, when has it been difficult to tell the truth about something? And so as we take some time to reflect on this, we have two minutes. Uh, those of you might want to discuss within your small groups or families at a later time. Okay, we have two minutes to reflect on these questions at this point.
Let's look at our second point. Convicting truth. Felix's response to convicting truth. Now, Paul is consistent. He's uncompromising in his presentation of the truth of the gospel. And so, uh, as Paul talks about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, the result is Felix was afraid. He said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find convenient, I will send for you. And so, Felix is afraid of the truth. He was not willing to face the truth. And there's only one reason that Felix was afraid. And that's because he knew the truth of Paul's words. He knew that it's not just some philosophical talk or something hypothetical or, or some theoretical thing. He knew that it was true. He knew about his own lack of righteousness. He knew about his own lack of self-control. He knew that the judgment to come did not hold good news for him. Now, we know from John uh, chapter 16, verse 8, it says that when He, the, who is the Holy Spirit, comes, He'll prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And so we know that the Holy Spirit is the one who is responsible for the work of conviction in the hearts of people. And the intent of the Holy Spirit when He brings conviction of truth to people's hearts, the intent is not to bring guilt or fear condemnation that will drive people away from God. No. The intent is to convict them of truth so that they can respond in repentance. It is the, the intent, the, the motive for conviction is repentance. After all, step one to solving a problem is admitting that you have a problem in the first place, right? Unfortunately for Felix, it doesn't seem as though his conviction was followed by repentance and faith in Jesus, which would have been the path to his salvation. But it didn't seem like that was what happened for Felix. Instead, for Felix, conviction of the truth leads him to denial, to avoid facing the truth. And so this teaches us two things. Firstly, when we share the gospel, the Holy Spirit might bring conviction, right? He might help people to know that, okay, what you are saying, what you are sharing, maybe your own testimony or what God has done for you, who God is to you, uh, what Jesus has done for, uh, for, for the whole world, that that might be true. They might have that conviction, but not everyone will respond with repentance. Because, maybe because, giving up the current way of life is just too costly they feel it's too costly. Or because they don't trust Jesus to lead them towards a fulfilling life. Maybe they think that following Jesus is a life of following rules, no fun, and just not the kind of life that they want to have. Whatever the reason, my challenge to you is that if you know people like that, if you know people who have been convicted of truth but have not re responded with repentance, my challenge to you is to persevere in praying for them, to not give up on them. Now, why do I say this? Because the very fact that they have been convicted of the truth of the gospel, that's already overcoming a huge barrier. And that is the barrier of hearing Jesus knocking at the door of their heart. 
that if they can hear Jesus knocking and knocking and knocking, then they can respond. The, the tragedy is when we share the gospel and there is no conviction and they don't hear Jesus knocking at the door. There are many testimonies of people who are convicted of the truth of the gospel and they reject it. And then eventually, God gets their attention somehow and they decide to embrace Him. So, if you know somebody who maybe you've been trying to share the gospel with and they have knowingly rejected it, don't give up. There is always hope for as long as they live. There is always hope. So that's the first thing. If people reject the gospel, don't give up. The second thing that we can learn uh, from Felix's response is that we ourselves need to be careful when the Spirit brings conviction to our hearts of any sin. That we need to respond courageously and face the truth with humility and repentance. Uh, how many of you have had a mechanic tell you uh, that something is wrong with your car and then you ignore the problem and it magically gets better? God, uh. <laughs> really? Uh? You drive a magic car? <laughs> okay, if, in my experience, uh, okay, I don't drive magic car. In, in my experience with cars, uh, ignoring a problem just means it's going to get worse. Right? It just means that the car... It's got, the, the, the problem in the car is going to get worse until the car breaks down and you are forced to face the problem anyway, right? More problems, in fact. And, and you are forced to have to eventually get it fixed. And so Felix's lack of repentance led him uh, to, to uh, be summoned before Caesar because of the many bad reports about him. And he eventually narrows, uh, narrowly escapes the death penalty for his deeds. Okay, so his, his choice to ignore his problems, to be in denial and, and not repent, uh, continued him down his path of who he was, right? A, a ruthless, tyrannical, uh, immoral person. Friends, if the spirit of truth has convicted you of any sin, I urge you to courageously face it. Don't pretend it's not there. Don't put it off until later. Courageously face it before the car breaks down. Now, of course, no one is so far gone that God cannot redeem them. But you don't want to go through the unnecessary pain of the consequences of unrepentant sin. Let's look at our second question for today. And this is a, a bit of an exercise. Search your heart. Has God convicted you of any sin you've yet to repent of? Would you respond to Him in prayer and commit to act on it? Okay, and for the kids, is there anything you know that you need to say sorry to God for? Pray, ask for His forgiveness. So parents, uh, you can gently suggest a way that will help them uh, from sinning again in that particular way. Okay, let's spend two minutes on this.
Okay, let's move on to our last point for today. The certain truth that Paul clings to. Now, even though Felix doesn't release Paul, God is gracious and he gives Paul some freedom. He allows him to be cared for by literally his own, his uh, friends, uh, his companions. And so the result is that Paul is not tortured or, or starved or in harsh conditions. Rather, he's under some kind of house arrest. Okay, he, he macam kena COVID, quarantine lah. <laughs> okay, except that uh, Paul, Paul probably had a better time because he uh, doesn't have to isolate himself from people. Eh? So he, he's under house arrest. He cannot leave. Okay, he, is, he has to stay where he is. Now, with a mission to preach the gospel to all nations, this, imagine you have this mission, your, your one purpose in life, at least for Paul, is to preach the gospel to all nations, particularly to the Gentiles. Spending two years stuck under house arrest, that seems to go directly against Paul's mission, right? Paul had ambitions to go further to go, uh, we know that eventually he even wanted to go to Spain, right? And so he wanted to, to go to all the different Gentiles to preach the gospel. And here he is stuck in one place for two years, preaching the gospel to one guy who just wants, uh, who is not listening, right? And wants something else. Can you imagine? Two years. Two years is a long time. Two years ago, we still had Pastor Ronald in our church. Right, two years ago, we didn't even know that a vaccine existed for COVID-19. Two years is a long time. But despite two long years, Paul knows that God has not forgotten him. Paul knows that he's not just in some random limbo and that God has gotten distracted with something else. You see, the Lord Jesus had appeared to Paul while he was in prison, after he was arrested in Jerusalem, uh, and, and they, they rioted, right? And then he, he is being detained. The Lord Jesus appeared to Paul and told him something. This can be found in Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Okay? The Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Now these are words of truth. Promise, but truth. Every word from the Lord is truth. And so this is a promise of certain truth that Paul would have been holding on to while he was under house arrest for those two years. That even though he, his, his current situation seemed to go against everything that he, he, he knows he's been called to, that the truth that has been revealed to him by God is that he will end up testifying in Rome. And so that's why Paul doesn't offer a bribe. Right? Even though he's stuck without being able to freely move around to accomplish his mission, to preach the gospel, he doesn't grease the wheels of justice so that it can, you know, not, not, to, not to, to overturn a verdict, but to just, you know, make it faster, prove faster that he is innocent. He doesn't even do that. And so a, a, a quick lesson for us uh, from Paul that Bribery is always wrong to participate in, right? Not just asking for a bribe, not just taking a bribe, but also giving one. Deuteronomy 16, 19 
says, do not pervert justice or show partiality. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the innocent. Now, the command here is don't accept a bribe, right? But the, the principle behind it implied is bribery in itself perverts justice, right? It's a corruption of justice. It has a direct negative impact on justice. I know as I, I mentioned the subject of bribery, most of us are thinking corrupt officials, la, dirty cops, la, that kind of thing. Right? But it takes two to bribe. Right? It's, the, a bribe doesn't magically appear out of nowhere to, to, into the pocket of the person asking for it. Right? It takes two for a bribe to take place. And the one who gives a bribe is party to corruption of justice. And so this includes us when we are the ones who do something wrong, especially speeding, break traffic rules, thought a handful while driving, uh, all that kind of thing, okay? When we do something wrong, we need to face the truth. We need to accept our, the consequences of our wrongdoing. No matter how painful, no matter how inconvenient, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how how to tell our parents like, or whatever, okay? We need to accept the consequences. We need to face the truth. Sometimes it is just plain unfair when we, we uh, live in a, 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 a system, a corrupt system, and we need to forego a business opportunity or we need to forego a personal advantage because we refuse to participate in corruption of justice. We refuse to give a bribe. And so in those cases, we need to accept the injustice of that situation, but still not be party to this corruption of justice. So I pray that this particular subject becomes less and less relevant to us as Malaysians as we you know, continue forward under a new government. I pray that you know, this, we can look back one day and like, huh, what are you talking about bribery? Nothing to do with us. <laughs> okay. But until then, we need to do our part and not be party to any corruption of justice. So, Paul doesn't give Felix what he's hoping for because on top of Paul's integrity uh, to not offer a bribe, he has the bigger picture of God's purpose for him in mind that he knows God's will is for him to continue preaching the gospel, specifically to preach it in Rome as has been revealed to him. And so this brings perspective to Paul because he's stuck where he is, yes, for two years, yes, but he is under house arrest by the Romans and pretty much he has access to Romans there, right? And eventually the Romans are probably going to send him uh, to, to more Romans, right? So he, Paul, Paul has this bigger picture beyond his immediate circumstances. So friends, you might be going through a challenge or a setback in your current circumstances, but I want you to consider what is God's bigger picture for you? Has He revealed a certain truth to you? Has He called you to something more than just your current situation? One certain truth that we have in common with Paul is the call to make disciples. That one, no need to say, because all who follow Jesus have been given the great commission to make disciples, right? And so we know that the bigger picture of making disciples is always everywhere we go, regardless of our circumstances. And so 
I'd like to challenge you to think of the bigger picture of this call to make disciples. Whether it's by teaching, equipping people to be uh, uh, stronger disciples in Christ, or whether it's in evangelism and bringing others uh, who don't know Christ uh, into his family. I'd like to challenge you to think of this bigger picture of this call to make disciples. How can you obey this call in the midst of your current situation? With all its difficulties, with all its challenges, with all its busyness, with all its inconveniences, with all the right, not right timing, how can you obey this call to make disciples and not, not wait until it is convenient? How can you obey this call to make disciples now, in the middle of your circumstances? Now, one more thing I'd like us to consider about Paul's situation. In the two years that Paul spent under house arrest, how do you think Paul spent it? He, he, he didn't have phone, he didn't have social media, he didn't have Facebook, right? Uh, do you think he spent two years just staring at the ceiling in his room? No, right? Up till now, Paul has taken every opportunity to preach the gospel. Even when he is called to defend himself, he starts preaching about the gospel instead. Right? So you can be sure that that trend would have continued even after Felix uh, called upon him and, and doesn't want to listen, uh, is looking for a bribe. Paul would have continued preaching right, to anybody who would listen, anybody who, who tended to him, uh, anyone who was allowed to visit him. Uh, and Felix's household, at least, would have been filled with servants as well. All right? And surely they would have also heard something about the gospel as Paul met with the governor. And so Paul had faith that the certain truth of God's promise that he would testify in Rome would come true. That gave him the bigger picture and so he persevered in, in his circumstances. After Felix is replaced by the governor Festus, Paul appeals to Caesar for his trial. And so Festus says, okay, you appeal to Caesar, you go to Caesar, lah. send you to Rome, stand before Caesar. And King Agrippa would remark to Festus. He says, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And so if Paul had not appealed, right, he might have just gotten his freedom. But Paul had faith in the truth of God's promise that he would testify in Rome. So his priority at this point is not being set free. His priority is fulfilling God's purpose for him even at the cost of his freedom. And if going to Rome meant going there as a prisoner, that he would do so. Friends, if you know a certain truth that God has promised to you, would you have faith that God would bring it about, bring it about in his time? Would you have faith that that truth will come to fruition? And what does having faith look like? It's not just hoping, uh, hope, 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 and, and that's it, right? There's a, a story told about faith in the, this movie, probably old movie by now. Lah. Those, of, those of you who have not seen it, go see it. It's called Facing the Giants, right? Uh, it, it's a, a Christian movie. But there's a story told about faith in this movie. I just have a short clip for us to, show, uh, to watch. I admit to you, I have been struggling. 
Sorry, louder, please. But I've also been praying. I just don't see him at work here. Grant, I heard a story about two farmers who desperately needed rain. And both of them prayed for rain. But only one of them went out and prepared his fields to receive it. Which one do you think trusted God to send the rain? Well, the one who prepared his fields for it. Which one are you? God will send the rain when he's ready. You need to prepare your field to receive it. Okay, for those of you who cannot catch the the Kailu <laughs> accent, uh, basically uh, the the coach was praying, right, and uh, he is struggling with faith. And this other teacher tells him that two farmers who pray for rain, only one prepare his fields to receive the rain. Okay, so he he asks him like, which which one are you? Right. So, the one who has faith in how God works will work towards what God has called them to. Even if they don't see how it is possible yet. Even if there's no rain, you prepare your fields. Right. So, friends, what has God called you to? Are you preparing your fields for it? In a sense, the scripture behind the, the principle that this story teaches is found in James chapter 2, verse 17. That faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And so if you have faith in the truth of God's purpose and mission for you, then whatever action should accompany it should happen. Uh, I want to, to just quickly comment um, uh, a, a group of people in our church in 2020 uh, we, we were discerning that God was perhaps calling us to start a, a BM work, right? A BM service uh, mainly for East Malaysians and all that. And so uh, a group has started a small group that speaks Bahasa and they are not native Bahasa speakers. And the reason why they have done that is so that they can be uh, conversant, uh, fluent, comfortable in, in meeting together in Bahasa. So that when there are East Malaysian students or whatever who, who come uh, and they are looking for, for a small group or community, they're there, they're ready, right? They're preparing their fields. And so, quick plug, <laughs> that if you know any East Malaysians uh, who are looking for, for Bahasa-speaking community, uh, please do introduce them to us, okay? Let us know. Uh, let's look at our last question for today. What is one setback or challenge that you are currently facing? How does it place you in a position to make disciples of Jesus? And for the kids, how can you share God's love in the middle of a problem? Parents can help to suggest some ideas. Let's spend two minutes on this.
So in conclusion, I'd like you to know that it takes courage and faith to face the truth of God. God's truths aren't just to be known, but also acted upon. I'd like you to be consistent in being on the side of truth. Don't let fear or favour corrupt truth or justice. And do have faith in the truth of God. Let faith lead you to action as you look to God beyond your immediate troubles. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May I invite you, friends, to rise to your feet. Let us proclaim the holy God whom we worship. Let us sing, Holy, Holy, Holy. <laughs>